thing Don't be wasting any time, I got somewhere to be Always on the grind, yeah, you know me All the crowd will Payback Time is a podcast that dives into the real story behind the person How did they build their business? What challenges did they overcome? What mistakes did they make? And how did they achieve their goals? The overall objective is to provide you with a roadmap that leads to success. Sean Tepper is your host. Are you ready? It's payback time. How would you feel if you worked extremely hard over years, if not decades, to build a business, and when you sold it, the government takes half, if not more. Who's the one that put in the blood, sweat, and tears? Yeah, it wasn't Uncle Sam. So how do you lower taxes when you face a significant liquidity event in your life? My next guest is a capital gains expert who talks about a deferred sales trust strategy that will help prevent you from overpaying taxes. If you're looking to sell a business someday, this episode is perfect for you. Please welcome Brett Swartz. Brett, welcome to the show. Sean, thanks for having me. Hey, glad to have you on. I'm excited to hear your story. So if you would, go ahead, kick us off. Give us your career backstory. Absolutely. So uh, my career backstory starts out when I'm in college and I'm, you know, I'm playing college hoops. I'm on academic and athletic scholarship at a small private school in Northern California. You know, my days were spent uh, like a single, you know, let's say bachelor college student, not a worry in the world, right? You're playing basketball, hanging out with friends, you know, in the dorm rooms. We, the game of choice at that point was Halo 2. And mm-hmm. we would battle and we'd have a lot of fun. And, you know, I was studying business and I was studying uh, Bible and theology. And I was studying at a minor in counseling psychology. So I was getting a well-rounded education and took an internship at a company called Marcus and Millichap. You see, my cousin was a mentor, kind of like an older brother figure. And he goes, Brett, I think you'd be a good fit here. You should take a peek at it. So I was like, oh, okay, that sounds pretty cool. I grew up in the real estate business with my father and mom uh, owning rentals, or they owned the rentals, and, and then when my dad would build houses. And so this is in like the Bay Area, called the MC Hammer, you know, days. Mm-hmm. My brother and I would drive the Bobcat, we'd hammer the nail, we'd move the bricks. We learned how to work hard and, and what it meant to potentially be an entrepreneur and own your own business. But at the same time, uh, my family, my mom and dad were very successful, but then they got divorced. And we went from like, like a lot of wealth to like no wealth overnight, you see. My dad's just say my dad had the wealth and my mom didn't. And we lived 90% of the time with my mom. And uh, he didn't really pay child support. Let's just put it that way. So so it was tough, right? So I saw yeah. both sides of like the silver spoon and like and kind of like the scarcity mentality. So we kind of battled that my whole life. But I knew I wanted to make financial success because I wanted to have margin with my family. So here I'm at college. I'm going to this big commercial real estate firm. And that's what Marcus Millichap is. It's it's like a Morgan Stanley of the investor sure. real estate world. So they're teaching me how to underwrite properties, how to um, sell, how to uh, present, how to speak, how to cold call, how to negotiate. Yep. And these are like multi-million dollar deals. So like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm scared out of my mind, but I'm learning, I'm learning, learning, and I'm growing. And just when I started to get some momentum in business, and by the way, it's 100% sink or swim. Like there's no salary, no benefits. Right. It's this competitive cutthroat type of a, an environment that I've ever been in. Part of that I, I love because I was an athlete growing up. Yeah. So I love that competition and that ability to have a ceiling, you know? So I, uh, I'm i growing, I'm learning. It's all really good. And then something happens. The 2008 crash, right? Mm-hmm. And I went from making a little bit of money to like next to nothing overnight. And it was a place where, Financially, obviously, it was tough, but it was like, you know, uh, brutal for me, like emotionally, because I, 
I was used to success, right? I was used to succeeding in sports, you yep. know, football, basketball in high school and then basketball in college and academics and all that stuff. And, and all of a sudden, for the first time, I found myself, oh my gosh. And not only was I not succeeding uh, financially, but it also felt like I wasn't succeeding because I was newly married and a baby at home. So all of a sudden, the flashbacks of like, oh my gosh, my dad, my mom, finances, right. divorce, like all of this starts kind of coming back. And I, I remember sitting in my mentor's office and it's like a random Thursday at like noon, another deal just fell apart. Another potential big check that was going to just change everything for my wife and I, and um, it fell apart. And so I'm in my mentor's office and I just start like bawling, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, like I don't cry, but I just uncontrollably just started all coming out. And uh, I'm going, okay, what am I going to do here? All right. So baby at home, wife at home. So I go to my wife and I'm like, look, in order for us to keep this going, because I'm growing and learning a ton from these amazing mentors, but at the same time, we can't afford this. Like we're, we're going into debt, we're running right. out of money, student loans are piling up. Like we need to do something here. And she's like, well, what are we going to do? I'm like, well, here's my vision. I think if I can stick this thing out, we're going to make it, you know, and we're going to make it big. But in the meantime, we got to just like honey badger, cut expenses, figure it out. Well, what does that mean? Well, <laughs> I called my brother and if you're open to it, we can move into him with a small condo. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, but the baby's on the way. I know. But, uh, so it was this circumstance where she says yes. And she supports me and she believed me. And that's just really the biggest, biggest thing here for me in my career journey that she believed and she saw a vision and for our future, even during like the darkest times financially. So, okay. So what did I do on second thing? I go, I get a side job. So I go, look, this is what I'm committed to do. Not only are we going to move in and do this thing, but to keep the lights on, we were at cheesecake factory on a random Saturday and they're serving these, like these $12 egg rolls, you know, and they're like this $8 cheesecake. And I'm like, man, this stuff's amazing. And I'm like, huh, what if I start working here nights and weekends? Because this is, might be my only shot here. So I got my ego out of the way. And I think the first lesson that yes. I learned in my career is that I didn't let my ego get in the way. Right. And, and the, one of the questions that I, uh, that I was on a podcast yesterday, uh, I think I, I didn't know I was asking myself this, but this is really what was going through my head. Is my pride worth more than achieving financial freedom? is my pride worth more than achieving the time and energy with my family, right? With mm -hmm. my kids, with having enough margin so that we don't have to feel stressed to potentially do the disaster of what right. happened with my parents with the divorce. Um, so that's what I did. Now, the manager at the time, he sat there and he goes, Brett, why am I going to hire you? You're like, you're ultra successful. I go, look, but no, I'm not financially because I'm, I'm burning up. He goes, but if you close a deal for $50,000 in two months, you're going to walk away. I go, I won't walk away. What do you want? He goes, I want two years. I go, two years? He goes, yes. Yeah. So you give me two years here, no matter what happens, uh, I will hire you right now. I said, you got it. I'm in. Two years, no matter what happens. If I make a million bucks or no bucks, I'll be here. He says, okay. So he hired me and that that began the journey of 60 to 70 hour weeks. By day, I'd make cold calls. I'd get there about 7 a.m., prepare my day, make cold calls all the way to about 4 or 5. Yep. And then like Superman, I'd change out of my uh, my suit and tie uh, suit and I'd get in my cheesecake suit. Although I had this, I could get to, I got to wear the same tie, which was kind of cool, right? So I didn't I didn't have to tie it twice. Efficiency. You had her a tie at cheesecake, right? So I wore the cheesecake tie and I served cheesecake. Now, and served and, and, and grew a lot, by the way, and learned a lot and learned about sales and communication. And, and, and totally. I mean, Chicken Factory is an amazing company, right? But it wasn't my, my career path of choice, or at least what I thought it was. So mm -hmm. did that for two years. Now, during that time, my manager, one of my mentors at Marcus and Milchop brings in a gentleman, this gentleman, his name is Robert. And Robert starts teaching me about a thing called a deferred sales trust. You see, Robert was a financial advisor and he became the guide in my story for my career that changed everything. So 
I'm sitting in this room, another random Thursday, in the middle of just 60 hour grueling weeks, living with my brother, you know, pride completely gone, right? Like mm-hmm. at one point, I'm at Cheesecake Factory and someone's in the other room. It's a client that I've been cold calling, trying to sell his third, three or four million dollar deal. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's right there. If he sees me, and there's no way I'm winning the listing. Like I had to like switch with the other server to go ch- he, to serve that person. Like, by the way, I'm still embarrassed at this point. Like, I'm not, I'm gonna say like, at this point, I, I'm not telling anybody. Like, my manager, Marcus Milchab, doesn't know. My agents don't know. Like, as much as I, I'm just like the little guy in the shell, just walking into Cheesecake, hoping that nobody sees me, like my hood on, right? And then like coming out, like running to my car. Like, it's not like I'm humble really at that point in the sense of like, oh yeah, I'm going to brace this. Like I got this. No, I'm, I'm like embarrassed, right? I'm like right. scared, but I'm going, there's a better, there's a better uh, future if I can, can just, just continue to learn, continue to grow. So I know I'm being long-winded here, but I'll get to the point here. So I love it. management comes in, he teaches, or Robert comes in, teaches us deferred sales trust. I start to use this strategy. I start to call people, you know, I start to talk about it and, and we'll talk about what this whole thing is later on, but this one tool, this one strategy started to transform the way I grew my real estate business. And all of a sudden I started getting more listings, more opportunities, more meetings. I'm in front of people that otherwise I wouldn't have been in front of as a young broker. Yep. Fast forward, my wife and I have five kids now. I am happy to say that I fulfilled my commitment two years and one day I retired from the Cheesecake Factory. And I was able to, uh, my wife and I have five kids and we live here in Sacramento. She's been able to stay home full time with our kids and we have a thriving marriage and it's all part of the story here. I love it. There's so many lessons to learn there. The big one is overcoming your pride. I see a lot of entrepreneurs, they refuse. Their attitude is I refuse to work for somebody. Like, and it's like one of those things you're not thinking about things logically. You need cash flow, Right. Like you to pay for a mortgage or rent or whatever, um, your bills, health insurance, food, and you did the absolute necessary. And I've I've been there too. I've I've worked jobs I don't like, and it's just uh, that's it. It's just being a responsible human. <laughs> At the end of the day, that's it. So you you make this transition. I really want to learn this this capital gains tax strategy, the product you got into. Let's talk about. What is like the aha moment? What what did you land on? What do you, this is what I got to be selling. Tell us about this journey. I can't wait to hear this. Yes. Yeah, so remember when I was going through this struggle between basically 08 and 011, right? This big yeah. struggle of financial stress and all that stuff. My clients were too, right? There's just a little different. They were multimillionaires before, you know, and they, they were doing really well. But all of a sudden they found that half of their wealth was gone or sometimes all of it's gone. Like they're losing everything that they built up for 10, 20, 30 years. And the reason we could identify is they had too much debt, not enough liquidity, right? And not enough diversification. And they were overpaying for properties and they knew they were doing it in the 05, 06, 07 market before the crash. And they were using something called the 1031 exchange. And the 1031 exchange for the listeners listening to this who may not know, it's just a way to sell an investment real estate and buy another one, all tax deferred. Simple yep. answer, right? However, there's a few restrictions on this thing, and we call this the blockbuster transactional way of doing business. And that you have 45 days to identify a property from the time you close your first property, and then 180 days total to close on that said property or properties, right? Which creates this crunch of time and pressure, right? And we call this the shotgun wedding. You get engaged in 45 uh-huh. days, you get married 180, and you're like, wait. What? So we found well, like we what we assessed with with everybody and I, I, everyone I talked to they all hated the ten thirty one they're like they love to be sellers when people when they had a ten thirty one buyer but they hated to be buyers it's the same story and 
we found that they had overpaid. They had paid too much tax or people even before the crash, they actually, some of them just paid all the tax. They just sold everything and just, just took, you know, by the way, what is it? It's 30 to 50% in capital gains tax and liability. Now Biden is proposing to maybe double that um, on federal 20 to 40. So it could be somewhere between 50 and 70% of your gain, depending on what state you live in. So the stakes are never been higher, by the way. We can talk about that here and more in a minute. But that's what we found was the main culprit. If they just had sold high, paid off debt and diversified, if they just had done that, they would have been in great shape. If you add tax deferral to this, oh my gosh, it's transformational. So Brett, you're telling me you could sell high, defer the tax, pay off debt, get liquidity, diversify into stocks, bonds, mutual funds, multiple commercial real estate deals of your own or with partners, hard money lending, the answer is yes. So we sat there like most people going, this is too good to be true. But if it's the Netflix, if it's the Netflix, a way of doing things, the blockbuster is going to go out of business. Like this is going to be right. gone forever. But most people thought, ah, no, we, we we like our videos. We like the way we're doing things. We got this mm -hmm. figured out. It's kind of like the old way of thinking. You see real estate, commercial real estate especially, it's like a religion, Sean, right? And people have certain doctrines. And one of those doctrines is 1031, swap until you drop, yep. right? 1031, delay, 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 get the stepped up basis. But what if the stepped up basis goes away? What if the 1031 gets limited? Right? What if capital right. gains tax doubles and you run out of time and you can't find a deal? So again, we saw this from the past, you know, back you know, 11 years ago, but market was down, market was depressed. And a lot of people said too good to be true, or let me think about it. Or you should have called me three, four years ago. Right. But I just kept believing that Netflix would be the future. Fast forward, there's been billions of uh, under management now, thousands of closes, over a dozen no change IRS audits. And we've never been busier because it truly provides the transformational exit plan that people are looking for. So can you unpack this? Is this a product? Is this a service people are using? Can you talk about that a little bit? It's a bit of both, right? Because it's not like just setting up an LLC where you can hire any kind of attorney. It's mm -hmm. actually one particular law firm, that's my business partners, who created this. And they're they're brilliant. And it's proprietary. It's protected. They're the same ones who have defended it against the IRS for their actual clients right over the years and had a perfect track record, by the way, with the IRS. Mm -hmm. They have a private letter ruling. Uh, they provide lifetime audit defense. So they stand behind their work. And they also work on a conditional basis, which means if you don't want to do the deal, just, just go ahead and uh, you, know, you can pay your tax or go do a different deal. So we really try to take the pressure off of it. So in that sense, it's a product, but it's also a service in that it takes group of business professionals to execute the strategy. And I liken it to like a surgeon versus a general practitioner. So the biggest objection we get is, this sounds so good, Brett, but my, but why hasn't my CPA heard about it? Or why haven't they done it? Well, your CPA or your professional, they're really smart, and but they're more like a general practitioner. You, know, you show up, Sean, for your, mm -hmm. your, you know, maybe your annual, uh, you know, physical and your annual flu shot, and they take your blood and they kind of do some common things. But guess what? You're playing basketball on a Saturday and you blow out your ACL. Well, you walk into that, you know, general practitioner's office. And he's going to say, "Oh, you got a knee thing. It's kind of swollen." But uh, I've never done the surgery, you know, and, and imagine ACL surgeries weren't around or invented, right? Right. Uh, I just wouldn't recommend you have someone cut your knee open and do that thing, right? Well, that's like the deferred sales trust. Some people have never heard of it, don't know about it. And so they think it's too good to be true. Like it, it can't work because what you're promising or what you're sharing with me just provides too much transformation. So sometimes we have to hold back and just be like, yeah, it'll just defer some capital gains tax, but it also can defer income tax. It can also move funds outside the taxable state. It works for cryptocurrency, primary mm -hmm. homes. It works for businesses, investment, real estate, it can save a failed 1031 exchange. So in all that sense, it's like a product, but the service is the actual execution. So I'm a third-party unrelated trustee. 
I'm like the offensive coordinator putting all the people together. So we've got to follow certain rules, right? And if we don't follow those rules, it falls apart. Not unlike a 401k or an IRA, right? These tax things mm-hmm. that people know, but there's thousands of companies offering it. So it's like a household name. The Deferred Sales Trust, one law firm, a okay. handful of trustees like me. There are lots of financial advisors that offer it. We do have a lot of strategic alliances, but a lot of those guys, they're not able to uh, advertise because of the restrictions. So you just don't know about it as much. So hopefully that answers the question. So let's get into the numbers a little bit. I love the benchmark you laid out with the 1031. You have 45 days to, is it qualify a deal or find a deal? And then 180 days to close it. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. With this deferred trust, what are the numbers there? There are no timing restrictions. So really? you know how Blockbuster, you guys show up on a Friday night and that movie may or may not be there. But even if you got that movie, you have three days to return it, right? Mm-hmm. And if you didn't rewind it, you got the fee. So that's like the transaction old way of doing it. That's the 1031, right? Right. Sell high, buy higher 180 days later. Our parents taught us, Sean, to sell high and buy low, right? They didn't teach us to sell high, buy higher in a low inventory market where everyone's competing, where offers and prices are going through the roof, where it's just a frenzy, right? That's just... It's really nonsense. It's foolish, right? You right. honestly, you if you're considering buying real estate right now, be very cautious because you can really get hurt. This is my point of where this thing started. People overpaid. Remember, this happened before in 05 mm-hmm. and 06. Okay. So into the deferred sales trust. Sell high. We just did a house sale in Palo Alto for $8.3 million. It's a primary home sale. Okay. He literally could not have sold his house without the deferred sales trust. By the way, the 1031 doesn't even apply to a primary home. Right. right? It's blockbuster. It only applies to investment real estate. The Deferred Sales Trust applies to any asset. We're doing a $5 million cryptocurrency case right now. This gentleman, his wife, a couple bought Ethereum for about $100,000, and it's now worth $12 million, okay? They work 60 to 70-hour weeks. They're going to sell this first group about $5 million, and they can literally just walk away and retire, put it into stocks, bonds, mutual funds, investment, real estate at any time, right? There's no timing restrictions. That's why we're like Netflix, Okay. Right on. Um, yep. I follow. Answer the question. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I'm asking these questions, I've got a lot of technical people on this audience and I've got a lot of investors, a lot of self-directed investors. So uh, a few of them are probably thinking right now, Sean, answer these questions for me. That's a great right. questions. Right. So yeah. let's say you get somebody who I like this home example. You sell a home and let's say you're at retirement age and um, the $8 million home example is a perfect example. You sell your home, you want to downsize, you've got all this cash on hand. Where does it go technically? Is it going into some kind of uh, brokerage account or into a bank or what happens to it? Yeah, so a couple of places. Uh, first of all, it goes to a third-party bank that has all the protections. The phones don't move without your signature. It's a okay. $16 billion bank. Use one out of Southern California. It's the first place. The second place typically it goes to is like TD Ameritrade Charles Schwab yes. with Robert, who's one of my business partners, to manage the money. Okay. Yep. Or some, I work with other financial advisors too. So if you're looking at it, and you want to learn, you can come talk to me and we can, we can get you going as well. Mm-hmm. And, and now as an allocation presented based upon your risk tolerance. So we're not just guessing or throwing darts. We're actually having the client and if they're married, fill out a risk tolerance questionnaire. It's a two page questionnaire. Based upon that, they get a, a score is determined based upon that an allocation is presented. Sure. Okay. Now, the Deferred Sales Trust, let's just give that example of the $8 million deal. In his scenario, he had about $6 million of debt. He had about $800,000 of tax. Okay, And so he put the remaining into the trust, including the, the tax deferral, fill out the risk tolerance questionnaire with the promise back to pay him about 8% 
of the initial amount plus 8% over a 10-year term because so he's becoming the lender. So the first thing to understand is you've become the lender to the trust. And so instead mm -hmm. of taking all the cash, kind of like when you put into an IRA or 401k. Correct. Although you own that account, you're delaying the the income or delaying the principal until you receive it and then you'll pay the tax. So that's what we're doing here. Okay. And then it can go to stocks, bonds, mutual funds on your approval, right? And then it can go into investment real estate, which is actually my favorite. It can be passive or active, which is one of the best kept secrets of the Deferred Sales Trust. A lot of people, if they read about this online, they're thinking, oh, I'm just giving up all control to this financial advisor and stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Not that exciting. As an entrepreneur or a real estate person, no, you can go into your own deals. In fact, we just had a client, he closed a $2.6 million business in, in Alabama, and he wanted to, he going from like a marketing business, he wanted to start a new business, which was mm -hmm. developing multifamily ground up. So he sold for 2.6. The challenge was he had $600,000 of tax. Solution right. was the deferred sales trust because we deferred all of that. But then he started an LLC and in partnership with the trust, he's building 70 units in Tennessee. And then what is he going to do? He's going to sell that and roll it all back into the trust. So it can go into passive deals. We also work with a group called Ashcroft Capital and Praxis Capital and a group called Sunrise Capital. They do mobile home park, multifamily and hard money lending. And these are, you know, multi-billion dollar companies, mm -hmm. right? That have had experience for 10, 20, 30 years that are specialists in value-add real estate. Guess okay. what? We can put some funds over there with some really, really respected people. And we can, but the key is diversification, right? We're not putting it all with one group or all in one stock or all in one, you know, one sure. thing. We're diversifying that equity. Therefore, we're lowering the risk, but it's all based upon if you're, if it's your deal, Sean, you have to approve every deal. So the deferred tax, I want to focus on that right now is, so you're not going to pay any taxes now, but let's say, let's just use a, you know, like um, cap gains tax uh, long-term today, isn't it like 15%? Is that correct? It depends on what, what uh, income bracket you're in, but, but most of the time it's 20% federal. Right. And like California is like 13.3%. And then you have Obamacare of 3.8%. So in California, if it's an investment property, minimum is 37%. Then you have depreciation recapture, which, which can bring it up to 40, 45, 50%. And so what Biden is proposing, the administration, is to take the federal from 20 to about 39.6, okay? Right. Most people get this confused, Sean, is they go, well, I'm only in the 15% bracket. It's like, I'm only making like 100 grand a year or whatever, right? But they don't realize when they're selling that million-dollar property or that $3 million business that all of a sudden, guess what? You're in a new tax bracket this year, right? Even though you yeah, may be in a tax Long-term cap gains, not your, not your income tax. No, no, I'm talking long-term cap gains. These are all long-term numbers here. Mm. Held it for more than one year. These are all long-term, right? Once you actually unpeel the onion, you see how much it really is. So right. it is substantial. Right. So you're deferring this tax. You're not paying it now. What happens later? Do you have a timeline when you have to pay it? Most of our tax, or most of our, our, our clients like to pay the tax the second day to never. Okay, which means they're going to keep the full principal intact and they're going to live off the interest. Now, those interest payments will pay ordinary income tax on that. So this is not tax avoidance, it's tax deferral. Again, think of a 401k or an IRA or 1031. Right. When do you pay the tax on that? Well, when you actually receive the income. Of course. So the government gives these, what they call these macro um, uh, tax strategies to help get the greater economy working well. It's a study of macroeconomics, which states mm -hmm. if we can get the money flowing, get that person to sell that $8 million worth of cryptocurrency, which is not necessarily doing anything for the economy, and get them to infuse all of that tax deferred, they would have paid three, but instead they pull all eight in there, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, developing right. real estate, investments. You're going to create more jobs, therefore more tax revenue, therefore 
everybody wins, right? So that's the idea, right? Um, as long as it's business purpose, the money is invested into businesses or real estate, right? That's going to be the greater good for the economy and for the U.S. government tax-wise. That's really the key. Is that, does that make sense, Sean? Yeah, what I'm getting at is, you know, taxes, it always finds a way. And, and always isn't the best word, but there's always a way it's going to come back to you. So with this, you can keep buying, selling, let's say it's a real estate property, let's say it's stocks, um, you take those gains and keep deferring them. It's kind of like rolling out over and over is what I'm visualizing. So you're essentially not paying the taxes. Yeah, let's give you the rule of 72 to help you really break down these mm -hmm. numbers. Okay, first of all, our minimum size deal is $1 million net proceeds and at least $1 million gain. So this is not for small deals. That's the first thing to understand. Why? Because our fees eat up the savings or the deferral. Therefore, a lot of times the ROI is not there. Or at least... The gain is, you know, the 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 net, the tax liability is not painful enough. It's not big enough to really warrant doing the deal. So that's the first thing. So if you're listening to this, who is this for? LLC, S corp, uh, individual, right? Family trust, any asset of any kind, subject to at least one million dollars of net gain and one million dollar net proceeds. Now, if you say, well, Brad, I have two houses at 500, 500. Yeah, we can do two deals that equal that. That's fine because in fact, you can have one trust. You can move in multiple assets sure. into one trust. Okay. Now, let's talk about the math behind it, the rule of 72, which states, if I can earn 7% net of all recurring fees over any 10-year period of time and let that 7% compound, guess what? My amount doubles. So let's just use a deal we just closed uh, in Colorado. It's a $5 million apartment complex sale, okay? They were to have paid about $2 million of tax. So they could not use us and pay and get you know $3 million net proceeds or use us and get five million minus some of the fees, okay? Yep. So that's a pretty substantial difference, right? Mm -hmm. So in their scenario, they don't need or want any income, so they're actually delaying it for four years, which is giving them some income tax deferral. But the other thing is they have an 8% compounding interest rate. It's the goal, not a promise, but we're gonna go try to make those investments work. Yep. Well, imagine they take none of that money for 10 years. In fact, about at about nine years, the rule of 72 doubles that five to 10. So now what's the government charging on that 2 million? Because it's still owed to the government. Correct. It's just not triggered yet. 0%. So when does that client want to pay back a 0% loan of $2 million to the government? Never. Uh, never. <laughs> right. So they're going to live off the interest. At four years, they're going to start kicking some interest out. Guess what? It's still an extra 2 million working for you, right? So that's right. the transformation that we provide. People can not only retire earlier, because there's another deal. I love a it. veterinarian. I'm working with, he came from India, started with nothing, started a, a practice at zero. The practice is worth about 5 million. And he goes, Brett, what you're telling me is I can sell today, defer about 2 million of tax and retire what would have taken me to mm -hmm. get, get to 7 million, which I may or may not even get there. He lives in Stockton, one of the hardest right. cities in America in the downturn. He's like, oh my gosh, like this is transformational. I have these young kids. I can retire now. Yeah, yep. it's exactly what you could do. He's like, Wow. So that's the difference here, right? It's time value of money. Here's a scenario. Let's say you were to sell, you had a business and you sell it because I do know people are getting to a certain age where they're like, uh, they have an opportunity here to sell the business and just retire. And they want to defer that money. They put it all into a bank account. Uh, they defer their taxes. And let's say they don't reinvest it. How long do they have to start paying the taxes then? So, um, if and when they receive payments from the trust okay. or principal from the trust. 
So if they've never received payments or principal from the trust, then there's no tax because you can't pay tax on zero or zero. Or in other words, people say, well, what if the investments go to zero? Well, if they go to zero, what do you owe? How much do you pay on zero on zero? Zero. Mm-hmm. So now we don't structure our deals where it's, you know, no payments for 10 years and there's, right. you know, it's all just, you know, we don't do that. So again, we don't want it to be tax avoidant. So we do have some payments coming out. A lot of our clients will structure it with, you know, five or 6% somewhere within the first two to four years, depending on their income needs and their, you know, what's going on. Right. right. So we, we do want to get that income flowing, you know, um, you know, report that as a 1099 INT to their CPA mm-hmm. and show that this is truly a, a legitimate installment sale. It's not just kicking the can and, and breaking the system, if that makes sense. Exactly. So just to, um, I'm going to oversimplify this, but you're working with clients that obviously, number one, they want to defer their tax and two, they're trusting you to put it into a strategy that you can leverage more money for compound interest up front. Because of course, let's say, uh, compounding two million isn't nearly as effective as a compounding eight million. You can build your wealth much faster. You've got that money right up front. Yeah, exactly. It's a right. simple rule of seventy-two of mathematical equation. And again, nine out of ten wealthy clients that come to us, they don't need or want millions of dollars immediately just to pay a bunch of tax on it. They're like, "Can I structure over ten years on a ten right. million dollar deal and get a million every year for ten years?" Yeah, you can do principal and interest, right? No mm-hmm. problem. Um, you know, we, can we adjust it along the way? Yeah, you can adjust it along the way, right? You can, you can, you can turn the spigot on, turn the spigot off, right? We have mm-hmm. a client we're working with today. You know, he's married, got two young kids and he's making 200, 400, 600,000. And, and he's, he's doing a lot of entrepreneurial stuff. Well, I told him like, what if you like just took a couple of years off and travel with your kids and your income went to zero, but in the meantime, you'd sold those businesses right. and you turned on the trust money to, 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 to get your lifestyle. Right. And then Right when you go back to work, you turn that thing back off and you start working again. So it's flexible is what I really want you to understand. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I see this really effective for, you see big windfall events. You're close to the the valley. People, you know, they build a tech business, they sell it. There's this huge amount of cash. What do you do with it? Um, I see that as a great Yeah. We call customer. it the go fund yourself, right? You're here to go fund me, Sean? <laughs> go fund right. me. You go out there and you just put it online. You're like, hey, friends, family, everybody come fund me because either the bank won't fund me or I just need mm-hmm. more funds to get going here, right? Well, instead of the getting the bank to fund you or venture capitalists to fund you or, or your friends and family, if you had sold an asset, you can, in partnership with the trust, it can fund your next business venture. So yeah, I think it's amazing thing for Silicon Valley, you know, tech entrepreneurs, yep. people who are starting that next real estate business deal, you know, who who don't want to rely on a bank, right? Exactly. Don't want to rely on, on friends and family or venture capitalists, right? Who don't want to have to make a partnership deal. They go, look, let me just partner with the trust that'll, that that owes me the money anyways. And let's go build this thing. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. And I also see it for people who inherit a large sum of money. What do you do with it in that case? Um, the retirement age comes on, of course, even retiring early. I'm sure you get a lot of those, like you just described somebody, you have the option. Why not? Right. Yeah. At the end of the day, we want transformation for the client. That means different things for different people. Yeah. Some people it's never working again. Some people it's starting that business dream. They've always wanted to start. Mm-hmm. Like we're working with a, uh, he's a plumber. He's on a very fixed income in the middle in Utah and he hit it rich with crypto mm-hmm. and you wouldn't know it from the outside, but the crypto is about $10 million, but he's making about a, a 70,000 for, for his whole family a year on income. Well, he's going to sell. And it's going to change his life. Yep. He, he a, never has to work again, but B, can give to charity if he wants to, mm-hmm. right? He didn't have to with our strategy. Um, and uh, 
go start his other business, go start his own plumbing business versus working for somebody. I mean, there's just so many things of that, course. that each, each client has um, that the deferred sales trust unlocks. And again, that's why we're like the Netflix versus the blockbuster. Right, right. Let's take a quick commercial break. Imagine this. You've been putting money away for years, if not decades, with the hopes to retire someday. But at the average rate of 6%, you realize you have to work another 5 to 10 years longer than expected. Not fun. Since the 1980s, more than double the Americans have to work past the age of 65 and well into their 70s until they can retire. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be working into my 70s if I have to. I want to enjoy freedom. The freedom to spend more time with my family, traveling, and picking up new hobbies. In fact, I want to retire early and I think most of you would agree. The problem is a 6% return just doesn't cut it. However, did you know a 15% return can nearly cut your retirement timeline in half? But how do you make more than 15% in the market? Introducing Ticker, a platform that helps you find low risk, high return stocks. I've been using Ticker the last five years to generate average returns ranging between 15% and 50%. Get started today with a free trial. Visit ticker.pro. Let's talk about your business model real quick. I assume you're structured similar to like a venture capital firm or a hedge fund. Are you taking about a 2% AUM? Yeah, it's a fair number. It depends on the size of the deal. It could be one and a half to 2%, depending on the AUM and what's under management, right? Sure. So let's talk about the fees. So there's a one-time fee to the tax law firm that provides lifetime audit defense. And that's about 1.5% on the gross sales price. So let's just use a million to be simple here. Yep. At a million dollar sale, they take 15 grand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lifetime audit defense, very important. Perfect track record, state and federal. Like an insurance policy, it's really good. Not guaranteeing that they win the audit, but it's just, it's nice to know you can sleep well at night knowing that they would charge no additional charge to defend you against the IRS for the deferred sales trust portion. Okay, so that's that. Number two is myself, my business partner, financial advisor. No matter how and where the funds are invested, about one and a half to 2% sure. on an annual recurring basis. So if it was a million bucks that hit the account, net of the closing cost, 15 to 20 grand. Right, right. Makes total sense. Cool. Well, sweet. I don't have any other questions top of mind. Is there a question that I should have asked but haven't asked right now? You know, uh, I think the one was like for like the business professional, right? Mm-hmm. I just just like how can business professionals um, implement this to help their clients? Right. And I think the the world is changing rapidly, especially COVID with technology, and it's challenging the value proposition of every single luxury realtor financial advisor, business broker, commercial real estate broker, operator, right? Anyone who helps high net worth clients. They're asking, why are you charging all these fees for what I can maybe get on my own, right? right. And, and this is where the deferred sales trust is amazing because guess what? The most expensive thing is, is death and taxes, right? You're not getting out of them in the sense of you need to make sure you're managing your health and your finances, all those things, right? Um, and the second part of this is, the largest wealth transfer in the history of the planet is happening right now, Sean. Like we call this the mm-hmm. perfect storm. And mm-hmm. it's actually a perfect storm on three fronts. And I'll start on the first one, which is the demographics. So according to the American Bankers Association, this is really interesting. They did a survey. They found that there's about 17 to $20 trillion that's going to pass from one generation to the next in the next 20 years. And this yep. is known as the largest wealth transfer 
in the history of the planet. And it's by the baby boomers, Sean, our parents, right? Who are retiring. In fact, that same study found that there's about 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 every day. And there's about 77 million in the U.S. alone. They also did a study on the total net worth of America. Where's all this wealth at? Right. And they found that 50% of it's tied to what? Commercial real estate, high-end primary homes, and private equity, which is businesses. So that 50% is a lot of toilets, trash, liability, rent control, laws, regulation, and all of this wealth is accumulated. And guess where these people who are 65 want to do? Well, they want to retire. They mm -hmm. want to trade the toilets, trash, and liability for time travel, you know, uh, cocktails and time with grandkids and, you know, they want to enjoy the wealth. They don't want to be dealing with all of this stuff, generally speaking, right? So as a business professional, we literally have a once in maybe the history of the world opportunity to help them exit really well Yep. defer what, 30 to 50% capital gains tax, or if Biden passes the proposal, 50 to 70%, okay? So that what? They can create and preserve more wealth so you can grow your business. So when you're doing that kind of transformation for clients, Sean, guess where these fee discussions go? They're not a big discussion because you're giving so much value, right? Mm -hmm. But the problem for business professionals is not their fees aren't, they're too high. The problem is they don't have enough value. Their offer is not attractive enough. Meaning here's what I can offer you, Mr. Client, uh, Mrs. Client, is this value of this transformation. So once people understand that, and we can, you can go to experttaxsecrets.com to learn more about that. We have a coaching program to teach you how to use the deferred sales trust to grow your business. So that would be the last one. And then I'll tell I'll give one more of the bonus is, is the estate, estate tax. Okay. So one thing that people kind of miss sometimes when they're thinking capital gains tax is estate tax. So estate tax is for anyone who's above 22 million married, 12 million single, they're going to be hit with a 40% death or estate tax. It has nothing to do with capital gains tax or a stepped up basis. Those are set to expire to 12 and six, likely 12 million married, 6 million single here in the next couple of years. Biden's even potentially proposing 7 million married, three and a half million single. So that means where's your wealth for your clients and right. how are you helping them to get it outside of their taxable estate? So in the past, a lot of people do like uh, charitable plans or they do these big life insurance policies, mm -hmm. which can be fine, but there's a, those are more of the blockbuster way of doing things. They're more transactional. The deferred sales trust, which is beautiful, in one deal, and one day, in fact, the client in Colorado I was telling you about earlier, there were $25 million. All of it was inside of their taxable estate. They sold their apartment complex and they moved all $5 million outside of their taxable estate in one day without having to give it away to charity. Okay? Love so it. that is the power of the Deferred Sales Trust for the estate planning solution as well. I love it. Love it. Love the context. And thanks for breaking down the, the real math behind that. My audience really gets into that. So let's go ahead. We're going to move to the round where the audience gets to know who you really are. Sure. This is the rapid fire round. If you can, try to answer each question in 15 seconds or less. You ready? I can do it. I'm ready. All right. What is your favorite podcast? My favorite podcast. Oh, man. So many great podcasts right now. Let's say right now. Mm -hmm. My favorite podcast right now is Run Like Clockwork because I'm in the midst of rapid growth and scaling. And it's one that is helping me to practically get out of my own way and delegate and to empower my teammates and to uh, grow the business. That's awesome. Good advice. All right. What is a recent book you read and would recommend? A uh, recent book I read and would recommend, we'll do it right now for a success. I've read it 10 times, but I read it again last month. And I would recommend it because it's, uh, it teaches us to um, to really charge at life, right? We have mm -hmm. one, we have one, I believe, one shot at this life, right? 
And, and if you're charging it down, you won't regret it. So we're an offshore success. And it's really funny and fun. That's awesome. I'll check it out. All right. What is your favorite movie? Uh, favorite movie, probably Gladiator or Braveheart or a mixture of the both. You know, for I love freedom. I love, I love, uh, the fight for it. Yep. Serving and, uh, giving. So I could watch those movies forever. Good choices. All right. What is your favorite food? Favorite food? It's Thai food. And I didn't realize that until I actually mm. tried it because I was like, I thought like curry would be like a weird flavor. And I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever had in my life. Like, so definitely uh, Thai food. Nice. All right. How many hours do you work per week? <laughs> Depending on the week. Uh, 50 to 60. Uh, okay. Sometimes 40. I mean, 40 to 60. All right. Not bad. Kind of fluctuates. No. All right. How many hours do you sleep each night? Let's see. We get to bed by about 930. We're kind of old folks here with five kids, my wife and I. <laughs> uh, and we wake up at uh, about six. So Okay. That's eight and a half. Yeah. That sounds good to me, right? I feel good. Right. That's pretty good. Nice. All right. Here's a good one. You're a ex-college athlete. What's your workout regimen? Yeah, so I want to plug TB12. So it's Tom Brady's book and his method of, of pliability. Like, oh my gosh, that's changed and helped my body. I thought I knew how to work out and be fit and stuff. and uh, But it's helped my body, as especially if I'm aged. I'm getting old, man. I'm 38, Sean, and things are not working like they used to. I used to be able to dunk a basketball. Now it's like, good luck <laughs> if I can touch touch the rim. So I mean, I'm a six-foot white guy for those who are listening. So that was a big deal back in the day. Um so yeah, TB12, I'm going in, I'm doing, a, a, it's a foam roller, it vibrates, right? And I, I roll my muscles on that as I flex and that provides the muscles to stimulate and to get warmed up and get the blood flowing. And it helps to get um, like a pre-workout before you work out. And then I work out, I play a little basketball. Actually, I did it this morning. Uh, I lifted some weights. I either do uh, upper body or lower body, switching it out. I do about five days a week. Mm-hmm. And, and then here's an important thing, right after the workout, I'm doing that foam rolling again. It's a vibrating foam rolling though, okay? You can get it for like 50 bucks. Get it on Amazon. Just buy it today. Like it's it changed my life. I roll it for like five, six minutes a day. And it's like getting a full body massage, but without having to, you know, show up to some random place in the dark and get someone to massage, you know? You can just literally just roll in this foam roller yourself and be done in five or six minutes. That sounds awesome. All right, last question here. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? I think it would be 16, you know, 16 to 18, right in that range. It's such a pivotal year. And I would, uh, I would teach or I would encourage myself to learn to work harder on myself than I did on my basketball or my football or my grades, right? Mm-hmm. Or, my, or my social life or, you know, all of the things that you think are so important, which are, I mean, they are important, right? But I'd work harder on my leadership, my personal development. You know, my I'm a Christian. My spiritual walk, my mm-hmm. my health. I mean, health was always pretty easy because I was in sports. Um, my friends and my family were always pretty easy. They came pretty good. But I think the parts that I didn't wasn't really introduced to was you know personal development and leadership, as well as financial intelligence and cash flow. Although I was in the real estate world with my dad, it was more like construction. Sure. So I would have just learned that earlier and and the and the quotes by Jim Rohn like you learn to work harder on yourself than you do on your job like if you work harder on your job you'll make a living and that's fine you work harder on yourself or make a fortune and the idea is not to make a bunch of money although that's really cool because you can help more people but the idea is to become everything you're created to be sure. so I believe we given certain gifts and these gifts we give just to be a blessing to help to others and it's not until we're using those gifts that we've been given 
times maximizing the potential of those gifts, times impacting a lot of people, and I believe in having a higher purpose for life, that we equal fulfillment. Where most of us, where I missed it for sure, was I may have known a little bit about my strengths. I may or may not have been you know, really maximizing those strengths. I certainly wasn't necessarily impacting a lot of other people, right? Um, and so you need to have each of those three. And then I believe, again, the bigger picture encapsulate it with, with uh, for me, it's faith that there's a bigger purpose for our lives. And then that equals the fulfillment, right? So mm-hmm. I would have, I really, really would have just stressed those few things to myself. I, I've got a follow-up question. I love it. Love it all. Um, do you think 16-year-old or even 18-year-old you would be able to grasp that advice at that age? Me? Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> Probably not. No, because I didn't do it, right? Or I don't know. I mean, right. maybe someone told me some of that stuff, but likely no, right? right. But at least, at least it would have been like, go and I had some amazing mentors and, and people in my life, right? So, yep. you know, even the parents being divorced, you know, God provided good coaches, good youth pastors, uh, good teachers, right? Mm. So a lot of people that poured sure. into me. So, I mean, no, probably not, right? Because then I, <laughs> I wouldn't have been, te- I didn't need to tell myself that, right? Regardless, profound wisdom, nonetheless, if, if just a fraction of that was absorbed, you could have been like, you know what? You know what? Older me is right. There is something to that. <laughs> So, well, no, this, this has been awesome. Really appreciate your advice. And this strategy is, it is sound. I mean, my audience, I've got a lot of people here in the investment space and a lot of self-directed investors. And if they come upon a larger sum of money, they don't want to pay Uncle Sam or whatever tax they have to in their country. Um, my customers are all over the world. Um, they can certainly talk to you. So where can the audience... Yeah, deferred sales real quick. is only for US... US uh, I figured, yeah. Stuff that's subject to US capital gains tax. However... If you're not a U.S. citizen, but you have assets that are subject to U.S. capital gains tax, then yeah, we absolutely can work with anyone awesome. from all around the world, just long as the asset is subject to U.S. capital gains tax. Got it. Got it. Well, that's good to know. And, and speaking of, uh, where can the audience reach you? Yeah, they can go to capitalgainstaxsolutions.com. They can search that on YouTube, iTunes. And if you're a business professional, you can go to experttaxsecrets.com. And uh, yeah, you can get a free ebook, um, how to sell your real estate business or cryptocurrency smarter. And uh, happy to help if you have a million dollar more net proceed deal and gain with a free consultation call. Nice. That's awesome, Brett. Well, thanks. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Sean. My pleasure to be here. See ya. Don't be wasting any time. I got somewhere to be. Always on the grind. Yeah, you know me. All the crowd will be mine. You can call me king. Hey, I just want to say thanks for checking out this podcast. I know your time is valuable and there's a lot of other podcasts out there you could be listening to. So thanks for taking the time to listen to my guest story. If you did enjoy this podcast episode, could you head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review? That would be much appreciated. Thank you. And last but not least, on this podcast, uh, some episodes we do talk about stocks. And please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So if you did hear any buy or sell recommendations, please don't make those decisions based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks a lot. See ya. Don't be wasting any time. I got somewhere to be. Always on the grind. Yeah, you know me. All the crowd will be mine. You can call me king. A matter of time for you all love me. Find me at my prime right where I want to be. I'm one of a kind and no one like me. <laughs>